Chapman Stick Podcast. Whether you've played the instrument for years or are just curious, if it's stick talk you're looking for, this is the place. So come along and stay a while. Hello, and welcome to the Tap and Time Podcast, episode 12. I'm Claire. I'm Gene. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Victor. Today, we are very excited that one of our very own folks has released an album that we get to talk about. So we'll be chatting with Rodrigo Sarrao about his new album. First, please stay tuned to the end. We have some important announcements for you. But we'll get into chatting with Rodrigo. So Rodrigo, you've put out this new album called Chapman's Dick. And in our previous episode, you kind of mentioned a lot about how it was a bit of a journey for you and it was this whole thing and you've, you've done an exceptional amount of work on it you know not just playing stick but you did videos and scores and first of all tell us about the album from your perspective and I, I'd love to hear about the motivation for this particular record why this particular record why now hmm of all the questions I think that's the hardest one the thing is as most albums, it, you start working on something, you, you, you start adding repertoire, and then suddenly you look behind and you see there's enough to have at least make half an album, so I should probably work my, my way to the end of it. This particular album started with the, when I found out this, this incredible composer, with a Venezuelan composer, guitar composer, called Antonio Lauro, a couple of years ago, more or less, and I, I found him out and I... There was this thing that, that surprised me, with, which is, first of all, I look at the stick kind of like a, an enhanced guitar, because the guitar is a very, it's an incredible instrument, but it's very limited. So you have li limits of, in terms of, of strings, of fingers, of keys. You have a lot of things that you cannot do on a guitar or that you have to, uh, how do you say it, to hack your way into tricking people to think it's more than what's happening. So... Antonio Lauro did this amazing compositions when you can you can almost swear it's like two or three guitars playing at the same time. So when I heard it, I thought this is perfect for the stick. So I kind of approached one of them, and it's like it took me two and a half years to to learn how to play it, and I still play it every day, and I still improve on it every day. The, the hey, song. Can you tell us which piece that is? So in the album, I think it's the fourth. It's called uh, Venezuelan Waltz. Let me let me check. So it's it's number four, yeah. Vals Venezolano, number three, Nat Natalia. So Natalia is a, a second name. He he gave the song to the name of his daughter. Is this the one that you posted a video of, I don't know, six or eight months ago? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Oh, man, my jaw is still stuck on the floor after watching that. It's an incredible piece. And it's even more impressive if you if you if you if you realize that every note I'm playing, I didn't add anything. It was already in for the guitar. So a guitar with, you know, four four fingers on your left hand and six strings has to play that all of those notes, all of that thing. So it's incredible how much information he can just squeeze in, and you and you listen to it and you find it perfect. It doesn't have one extra note, too much note, or it's not. There's not anything missing. So it's. So that's Antonio Lauro, which for me was like a, a, an event, finding him out. And then I started working on that song. And then eventually I started, you know, when you know when you find, like, you go down the rabbit hole. So, uh, okay, this guy's from Venezuela. What else is there from Venezuela? So I started looking, mm -hmm. you know, and from Venezuela, I started working my way 
towards the south. But I wanted to skip Brazil because Brazil is very, very familiar to me. I didn't want to go to, the, to, to Brazil, but I didn't know that much about Argentinian composers. You know, and suddenly it all became a thing of these amazing composers that write things for guitar that you, you could almost swear it, it was written for something else because a guitar could not possibly play this and yet they did it. So that was my main mo motivation was how do they do it? How did they manage to fit all this in a guitar? Because if I can learn the trick, I can do it with my own Portuguese music on the stick. So that was my first motivation was learn how to do it with the masters and then reproduce it for myself. So, uh, so that was the, the beginning of it, the, the motivation. Eventually it grew into something a bit more complex because uh, I started getting out of, of South America at some point. I started crossing over to this side of the Atlantic. So I, I was going after traditional music approached by classical composers. So uh, guys that would, would have a lot of know-how and a lot of skills composing, but doing it so on a traditional sounding music. So that was the, the whole gold, which is kind of like the music I, I really like, which is traditional, but complex, you know, worked on. The, so it's, it was carefully built, not just something that happened by accident. Uh, so that, that was the, the whole thing that, that drove me while I was adding repertoire to the, to the disc, to the, the album. I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> it, it definitely does. You know, I'd like to kind of add to that in my, my first listening of a couple of the tracks and Victor made note of this earlier in our conversation, you know, prior to our recording. And that was, is that your left hand doesn't just sit on the sideline. I mean, truly what I'm hearing is, and this is how I kind of reviewed a song for Emmett is that it's a duet for two hands and the, the left hand, <laughs> if you've ever had to try to like play an invention, you know that the left hand has to do everything that the right hand does. It just kind of drags it along. It's like, yeah, you know, we did this run, we, we, we used this pattern, and then the left hand is involved in that exercise as well. So what I've noticed is, is that it's not just this like one, three, one, one, three, one, like ostinato in the left hand. It's all very structured. And to me, that is only something that is realized by someone who has a classical training. And so when I hear these pieces and I hear the way that they're put together, it feels like it's a classical composer, like Bach was what? He played viola, right? He liked to be, he also, I mean, he also played organ, obviously, but it feels like, it is written for a Chapman stick. And there have been times when I've, in, in Bach in particular, it just, feels, it just feels right on the Chapman stick. It's, there's these two voices, independent voices, and they come together and it's so beautiful. But um, in particular, for, for a song for Emmett, which I have been listening to you know, quite a bit, it does feel, and the way it makes me feel, as, like just as, for starters, as someone that just enjoys music, it's not music I can have in the background because knowing it's a Chapman stick, I'm like, oh... That guy. So I'll have to go back and listen to it. And it's not like one, three, one, one, three, one, one, three, one. You know, it, it's not like that what we'd expect. Because a lot of times what happens is, is, at least for me, is I'm working on a melody in the right hand and I want to deliver this melody. But in Song for Emmett, everything is harmonized. There's like this lush counterpoint that's happening the entire time. Like nothing is saved for later. And so for me, that, is, that feels like 
classical composition that's realized. And I, I, you know, I have so many questions for you about Fada. You know, like, is this bordering on the the the, the birth of chapstick Fada? Is is this what is Fada? <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning. Here we go. Oh, the Mecca of European music emanates from Portugal. This is where it all started. It's like love started in Portugal and the Portuguese put it to music, right? Am I right? Is yeah, it's close. It's something, yeah, it's close enough. Yeah. I think that's a fairly accurate description. No, I'm kidding. So just to clarify, fado is is one of our traditional art uh, music forms, you know. So you have like um, you have tango coming from Buenos Aires, or you have flamenco coming from southern Spain. You have fado, which is a song, a traditional song from Lisbon, the capital. So it was it's a it's kind of like a song of sailors, you know, of of sailors g going out into the sea. So it's filled with this longing and this sadness of, of uh, the uncertitude of what's going to happen to the people, to the sailors that go, and from the families that are left behind, the, the wives, the kids, the lovers. So it's a song about love, lost, longing. So this is kind of like the traditional song of uh, of Lisbon. So it's called Fado. And it has become hugely popular over the, the past I don't know, 20, 30 years, it's been growing and growing. It's, it's uh, Apart from soccer players, that's what we export the most. It's, it's Fado singers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, the, so that's Fado. But you, you didn't say football. No, I didn't. Yeah, I realized who I was yeah. talking to. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, your audience, right? Yeah. That's, uh, so, uh, wow. but, but answering Gene's question, a song for Emmett, it's... You described it perfectly, Gene, because it is what you said. It's a duet. It started out as a duet. So uh, the, the song started as a, a study I was doing. I wanted to, to translate into the Chapman stick, not Fado, but another kind of Portuguese music we have down in the, in the southern part of, of the country, which is all vocal, no instruments. And it's like um, counterpoint vocals doing different stuff, which is called... Um, well, the, the area, it's called Alentejo. And it's this very particular song, kind of a song specific to that area. So I was trying to adapt this duet thing onto the Chapman stick. So that was how the music came to be. And I actually recorded it uh, on, on the railboard and I was I worked on it, then I recorded it. I was never, was never too happy with it. So when I was doing this record, I thought that song would fit here, but properly played, better arranged. So I would change a few things. And I don't know why, at some point when I was looking at it, I didn't want to name it the same thing that I did before. Uh, because the, the original version was called Bacchiana di Alentejo, which is something like in the style of Bach, and mixing it with the, the, the area it, it was coming from. But as I was playing it and as I was recording it, the, uh, Emmet always came to mind. So uh, at, at some point, it just turned out to be a song for Emmet. It, it's not even something that it was programmed. Uh, just you know, as I was rearranging it, it just slowly started changing the the, the name, and I was, was referring to it mentally. That is, well, this is a song for Emmett. So it's it is a song for the Chapman stick, but in the in the style that I wanted it to, which is a, a duet between both hands. So it's uh, it's it's it is as as you said it. It's uh, it's there's no better way to describe it. It's just a very simple, very. Uh, it's not complicated, it's slow, and it's, it's very simple harmony, but it's just that, a, a duet between both hands, 
uh, showing it how much I, I love the, the instrument and how much I love to, to be able to do this on this instrument. So Sure. It's so much fun to listen to. And, you know, we've all heard a, a fair share of Chapman stick music. And, you know, you start to get a feel for, you know, like some things that are predictable, some things that just fit to the shape of the hand, especially in the left hand. And so to me, and I've long maintained that the magic of this instrument is truly in the left hand. That is what's unique. I mean, granted, it's a single beam and it's got two outputs that go to separate signal paths. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the fifth tuning coupled with the fourth tuning in the right hand, right? Then it becomes something different. And what I really like is, is when people don't really <laughs> tap into that two signal path thing. You know? <laughs> now there are some people that have, have made a, you know, like, you know, that, that do it seamlessly. Case in point, Steve Adelson walks bass lines, plays melodies, comps in both hands, and has all this rhythmic kind of styling in between. And he has no comparison. And he he can play with a horn player, he can play with a piano player, he can play with any multitude of instruments. And, and what I love about Steve Edelson's playing is that he is so versatile. And it's this springboard for all these different avenues that the stick can be. He just loves jazz. Like, he's a jazz guy. Like, watch me play jazz. Watch me play jazz with a trumpet player, a horn player. With Stanley Jordan, you know, I mean, like here he is, like playing. Have you seen that stuff? Have you seen the stuff with him and Stanley yeah, Jordan? Yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Like I was like, I can't even believe I'm like seeing this. These guys got together and like worked it all out. So when I hear just unaccompanied Chapman stick, you know, played into an amplifier, right, with nothing in between, and, and that's how it feels. It, it feels like you're sitting like right across from me, and. You know, I don't want to give away too much about what I shared about the song, but, you know, like, it really did feel like seeing like an old friend. You know, like when I heard that song, it was like the feeling I got. I was just kind of like, it was so easy to listen to. And then also, you know, and I wish I knew the technical term for it, whether it's like, but there's these leading tones and they fall on like a flat five or they fall on a suspensions. Suspensions. Thank you, Mr. They're beautifully, Claire. they're so beautifully, they're suspensions that get resolved. And it's like, it's a huge piece of the music, actually. Right. Cause you play, and it's beautiful cause you slide into them and it's like, or slide out of them, I should say. But yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> so, Claire, can you talk a little, like, like in terms of like a technical side? Okay. So, suspensions and resolve uh, or, or resolutions. Can you, I'm so curious to hear your perception of that. It's generally a, a tone that res, that that leaves ambiguous whether you're going to like a major minor and then it resolves and it's not really major minor because it's usually like it's like a fourth typically and then it resolves down. Mm. I'm I'm not explaining it very well because well, you kind of hit me at like it's I'm not a morning person and <laughs> some of us have had their coffees. Yeah, I, I, I should say that. Vic and Jean woke up at 5 a.m. to be able to do this podcast. So, 
Well, it was the only time that we could actually make it happen. So here we are. It's still dark outside, and it's not because the sun went down. <laughs> it went, but it was I, yesterday. I, I guess it's yeah. better said that a suspension is, is literally what it sounds like. It kind of suspends where the music sits for a bit, and you don't really know where it's going. It's kind of delaying the resolution, right? Yeah. And then when you resolve it, that's when you get that, ah, oh, that's what was supposed to happen. Mm. So that a suspension is really just like, it hangs there for a bit and you don't quite know where it's going. And then you get that relief of the resolution. You know, I don't want to harp too much on technical playing stuff, but this is the pinky slide on the left hand <laughs> that I was gushing over. <laughs> That's because you're starting it. Is that what, am I correct in that, Rodrigo? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's that, it's that song. Well, I never, I have to say you, to tell you this, I, I I never oh, even don't realized. Ruin, don't ruin it, like, don't no, I never, I never realized that I was doing a, a pinky slide with one hand and dropping the final note on the other hand on the other side, and I, I never realized I was doing that because, uh, and at that specific point in, in the song, the original version, I, I was playing it on a railboard, and um, I th usually threw the the higher string on the railboard outside of the fretboard, and it goes like. Uh, a, a whole bunch of notes and it ends really high. I couldn't do that on a, on a wooden stick. Yeah, you know, so it would go, the strong, yeah, it would go and, and up, up until a, a fifth, I think. So I couldn't reproduce that. And I was trying to, I want to have something like to that effect to, to make a final point in the music, you know, a resolution. So uh, I've just... Notate the scrunk. <laughs> <laughs> that was another problem. Yeah, how do you write that? <laughs> so I just, I just, you know, I could slide this one. And, well, because if you slide with the pinky and you reach a final note with, when it's very high, it won't have enough energy to sound. So I have to play the, the final harmonic somewhere else. You have to resolve somewhere else. So the whole thing was just very practical. It's not even something that uh, that I would give too much yeah. thought, you know? Well, you know, for those people listening, if you don't know what we're talking about here, and you probably don't, I would imagine, go to Rodrigo's Bandcamp page and watch the video for a song for an Emma. It's a beautiful piece. And that's really all you need. But if you happen to be watching the video closely, uh, if you have experience playing this instrument, there's a couple of technique things there that, you know, I've really never seen. And that's, and one of them is that, that pinky slide that, that we're talking about now, but it is a, it is truly a beautiful piece. Well, thank you. I want to go back a little bit to what Gene was saying. Um, and I know we've been talking about specifically for Emmett, the song. Um, it does feel like a very classical album and there's a lot of, you know, for Emmett specifically is contrapuntal and there's a, there's a fair bit of pieces in there that, that are, and I feel like even the pieces that maybe are less contrapuntal, you're really kind of pretty much all the pieces really leverage the two hands. And I wonder, is that, do you think that's more like because of your process of picking music that happened to be for the guitar? Like, is that part of how you pick the tunes or is that just? Probably it's because that's what I like when I'm searching for a tune or there's a tune I find out that I really want to play that has a big role in it. So that's kind of thing I like. Uh, the more contra contra, I don't even know how to say this. Contrapunctual, it's it is. The more fun it seems to be, you know, when I look at it and I listen to it, and I think this should be really really fun if I could could play it. 
the, the least one in the whole album, I think. It's not any fun until I can. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the least contrapunctual tune in the whole album, I think, it, curious enough, is it's a little Bach piece that's the end there, which we, which is, uh, I don't even, it's a gig that's over there, I don't know, numbers 10 or 11 or whatever. But um, it's completely a keyboard piece, and that was one of the hardest things to do on the instrument. Let me see what, what is the number of that song. I mean, you're, you're also doing all these like crazy ornamentations and just a lot of in really interesting kind of inflections in the music that, yeah. that you're putting through. So it, it's song number 10. It's right after our song for Emmett. It's Gig from the Ouverture, Ouverture in F major. So it's, a, a, it's like 40 seconds of Bach and it's completely keyboard music. So it's not natural to do it on the stick because the left hand is flying all over the place. And it, it was really, really, I'll let you in on a little secret. You can look at it at the video and, and see what I'm talking about. So I couldn't do it perfectly on one take. So if you look at the video, I'll teach you how you can spot the two different takes, which is the, uh, the left sleeve on my shirt. It's at different, <laughs> it's at different heights because it starts with one take. It starts with one take. Then it goes, I change in the middle of the song, I change to a second take. And then it goes back into the first one, and you can check, notice it by the the, the sleeve on my left arm. It's it's in a different position, <laughs> but it's 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 very Minus very 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 teams. hard to do this thing. A little production magic yeah. there, huh? Sir? Okay. <laughs> well, you know, maybe that's a good segue, um, because you've been posting videos for quite some time, and they are always very high quality. You know, I've posted a few videos. They're not Rodrigo Sarao quality, and I'm not talking about the playing, <laughs> but you obviously know what you're doing. You know how to record a great video. You know how to record great audio and stuff. So is this just something that you figured out since you got a stick, or is there something in your background that enables you to do a project like this at such a high level? Okay, so I'm a musician. I've always been a musician. I'm a musician since I was professional musicians since I was 17. One thing with musicians, and I'm sure Gene knows this, uh, you have to d develop a whole bunch of things because there's not enough money to do stuff, you know? So you have to learn how to do it. And Claire should know this also, which is you start, you know, messing with different things, learning a, lo a little bit of a bunch of things in order to m make things happen. So uh, I started out as a musician. Eventually, I... I started recording, and then at, with the beginning of home studios, I started having my own studio and recording at home and having people coming over and recording at home. And then I got a bigger home with a bigger studio. So all of this was developing. At a certain point, I was actually doing some management for a singer. Well, the singer, you can see, I have this Ave Maria of Bach and Gounod that I recorded like, I don't know, four years ago or something. It's, it was right at the beginning, so probably five years ago. You can check on it. On, on that's this this singer. She's an amazing singer, and I was working with her. And then I was producing the albums, and then I was managing the career, and then I was doing a whole bunch of things. And then suddenly we needed to make some videos. So I just, you know, Google it. You just Google it, and you learn how to do it. And then you find the the good enough software to do it. And it takes time, but you can manage to do stuff. So. Eventually, I was doing videos also. So this is like things that were happening, and it's like things that you gain going through life, which is experience doing 
graphic design. Suddenly, there was not enough money for my own albums for, for the for the covers. So how do you make <laughs> graphic design? So you go online and you check and you find out about Adobe Illustrator and stuff like that. And then you have to know, how do I work with this? And so it kind of... It's an evolving thing that comes and goes. And you are 100% self-taught. Yeah, so that, that, that's the downside of being a, a fairly, you know, those people that, I'm one of those people that need a few, at least a few hours a day alone. So I need a lot of alone time to think and to whatever. So I need silence for a very big part of my day. Uh, so I take those times of silence and I do stuff. So, or I learn stuff. Now I'm learning something completely unrelated to music that I hope will, you know, allow me to, to have a, a, a different experience of life and doing something else. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so... <laughs> Are you getting into sculpture? It's like, tell me you're not quitting... No, I'm not quitting the Chapman stick. All of a sudden, you're going to be this amazing sculptor, like... No, I'm sculpture of a stick. No. So the thing yeah, is... I conquered one thing, now it's move on to the no, next it's, thing. No, it's not about conquer. It's about, it's just about... You have to do things and when you don't have enough money to do them or to, to you know, hire people to do it you have, and you really want to have, have them done, you have to learn how to do it yourself. There are stuff that I cannot do, even if I wanted to. I tried, like, sculpture. I could never do that. Or painting or, <laughs> or even, you know, a very stupid thing like build a house. I tried to, you know, work with, a, with a, I don't know how to say it in English, in English, but to build things out of wood or something. I, I, I don't have enough. Yeah, wood, I don't have enough skills for that, you know. I don't like it. Our, I, I, I get bored with it. So I, but for some reason, you know, learning a new software and applying that into whatever I do, that kind of works. So I've been doing that for, for a very long time. And it adds. So eventually when the stick comes into my life, I already know how to record an album. I know how to make uh, the design for it. I know how to record videos for it. And I've already have all these skills. And then the stick, you know, it's just like it's the cherry on top, the, the stick. So now I can do this for myself instead of doing it for other people. That's what the stick has brought me, which is focus on yourself rather than knowing all of this stuff and do, giving it away or selling it away to people. So. While we're listening to this song we've been talking about for Emmett, uh, while that's going on here, you know, Rodrigo is like, you know, it's dark outside for me, probably dark for Gene. It's early morning for Claire and Rodrigo's showing us the view out his window. And it's just like this beautiful valley uh, outside his window. And, you know, I guess we were all gushing over it. And, and we so we're, we're kind of, you know, and now I, I see I see the hustle. I see the hustle, Rod, because here's the thing. It doesn't matter what kind of wine you're selling. Everybody needs a cork, right? <laughs> Everybody needs a cork. So um, we were asking Rodrigo about, well, and something that you have to do as a musician, and you kind of alluded to this before, is that you have to have multiple revenue streams. You just have to find other ways where the music supplements your income, but you've got other 
means of, of providing for yourself. And so you have a cork farm. Yeah, so I have I have a farm where I'm I have like 30, 40 cork trees now. The, the cork tree is an oak, so it's it's a, one species of oak, and the bark when you take it out it grows back, so it's regenerative and it grows back every nine years. You can take it out again, and then the tree will grow back its bark every again. Nine years, so this yeah. Is- Wow! So it, no, and this it's, is something I didn't know. It's it and it's really, really, really expensive stuff, you know. So uh, when I bought the the this piece of land and then we built the house, we already had this this thirty or forty uh, bark trees, uh, and then I've planted it just to give you an idea. This winter uh, or this fall, it, the, the the seeds start falling in the fall. I've planted it another 500. Last year I planted something like 200. So I'm planting. It takes like 20 years for you to be able to take the first cork out of the tree. And it's not that good. It's not that valuable. But in 30 years it will be a lot of money. So, well, this is something that comes from that part of the country I was telling you about the uh, song for Amit. So it's from, from the south. It's a tree from the south. And, um, and the, the old people would say two things. First is if a cork tree starts growing under your bed, what do you do? You change the bed, so you just move it to the side so that the, the tree can grow because it's a it's it's a very important tree. So that's the first thing. And the second is you plant them for your kids. You don't plant them for yourself because it will take a long time to grow. And before you can harvest the the first profitable cork, it I mean you're dead. So you do so it for your kids. This is the beginning of a family tradition for the. This is, so this is me giving this is me giving back. Well, first of all, to, to my daughter. And and second, because we only trees, too much, too many have been cut already. And I didn't know this, but I just recently read for Portugal, you know, oak trees were very important in most of Europe. So this is completely off topic, but it's very fun. And I love this subject also. So oak trees were very... I love to talk about oak trees. This is an important discussion and I will have many questions for you. Okay. So... uh, Europe was filled with oaks, right? You know, all the the Druid stuff, all of that. Most of the forests were oak forests. Portugal as well. We were the first European country to lose all of its oak forests. It was a huge forest and it was completely cut down in the 16th century to build for the, the boats that actually discovered, you know, uh, America and all those uh, 16th century discovering movements that discovered the whole new world, you know, east and west. So the Portuguese went to the to the east, the Spanishes got the west, and we were all building boats. And so most of the trees of the oaks were cut down first for, for, for the boats and second for, for um, land, you know, to you call it to to harvest the land so we by the the end of the 16th century we were already without any oak forests and they they disappeared and um they're starting to grow back again so for example you you guys have squirrels in in usa we have them all over the world we haven't had squirrels in portugal since the 18th century no acorns to hide (laughs) and the funny thing (laughs) is from the 80s they started appearing again. So we had started having squirrels again and wild hogs and, and bear, which is something we didn't, nobody has seen here for over a hundred years. So we're growing back the old uh, original forests and all these uh, animals are, are, are kind of returning, you know? So the, the wolves also. So this is very, this is something that's very close to my heart. So the trees are very important. It's the beginning of everything. It's what holds the land together. So, um, and for me to be able to grow trees, 
that's cool. And to be able to grow trees, make some money out of them, I don't harm them, it's even better. And to leave something for my daughter. So that's, it's just benefits, you know. That is beautiful, Ron. You know, I, I wanted to ask you about the type of oak. What type of oak is it that is used to harvest cork? So oak, it's a family. It's, it's like there's like 800 different species of oaks. So we have like in Portugal, we have like half a dozen. I know the country with most species, it's Mexico with like 200. The, uh, the U.S. will have something like 150 different species of oaks. This is one of them, and it's the only one that regenerates the bark. I don't know how to explain you. So it's very small leaf. I'm going to search on it because we, I, I, you know, we live, we have a lot of oaks on our property. And in, in California, and in, I think maybe other states in, in the United States, um, oaks are protected. So um, you'll get sued by the county, you know, if the state finds out that you're cutting down oaks. Um, I, I don't know if it's black oak or white oak, but there are certain species that are protected. Um, and in places like Berkeley, like up in Northern California, um, and in Los Angeles County, they will not only write you a ticket, right, but they will fine you. It is illegal to cut down oaks. And oaks- Here it's the same thing. Yeah, so they are, they're protected out here in California. They're also, oh. you know, they, they are not the reason for the cause of all the wildfires out here. That's stuff like this, 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 like this mustard plant that blooms very quickly uh, early in the season and then becomes very dry. And of course, this hot uh, climate and very dry climate then lends itself to fires. And um, oaks are like incredibly dense. So we had to take down an oak in my backyard and it was so heavy. It was dense, like like plutonium. I mean, it was like so heavy. I was. I went to go move it, and I was like, "Oh, not going to be able to move it." You know, I'm going to have to roll this thing down the hill. Um, so it is. It is fascinating to hear. You know, like yeah, I, I play the stick. Yeah, I'm like a recording engineer, but you know what? I really am interested. <laughs> Trees. <laughs> but but also the fact that there, there's this beautiful life of yours is like not cutting down the tree, you know, like the idea is that it's this thing that's, that's, it's good for the land. It's good for Portugal. Yeah. It's good for the, the, the Sarau clan, but also it is, and we get wine. Right? <laughs> Talk about the cherry on top is like, oh, man. all the winemakers so are coming to your farm. Podcasts. Like, Hey, my old friend, you know, here's your case in, in a, you know, a yeah. first pressing. And so, um, okay, well, Going back right. to the topic. <laughs> Coming back to the, I actually, this is a bit of a follow up on your. You had you mentioned a little bit um, before we talked about cork um, that on on the Bach, and you, you mentioned a little bit about the editing process. and And I'm curious if you could tell us how. I, I know you've mentioned the video was part of what you wanted to do. Are you for all these tunes? Were you actually just running video and audio at the same time, or all the edits actually the same? Are they different? How? What was that process? Yeah. So the, the, both things were being recorded at the same time, the video and the audio. So and usually when you make a video, your biggest focus is on the image. So you will tend to choose the takes where you look better or whatever. Right. Uh, in this case, I wanted to do it the other way around. So this was meant to be uh, an album. So whatever I end up looking at, looking like, the important thing is the audio. If the, the audio is right, the video will have to be enough. So that's the story with the fly when the, the fly the, the fly <laughs> comes in. on, the, And it ended up being in the take because, man, that was the best take. 
so, you, so, so, so sorry. So just so I understand, you're you're recording audio and video. Yeah. And and you made your edit decisions based on your audio, and then exactly. you followed the video to that. What I do is, so I record audio and video, and then I like record, I don't know, ten takes, twenty takes, whatever, until yeah. I feel I've got, I've nailed this. It's one of these will have will be good enough, and and I'm glad with it. So and then I sit at the computer and then I, I go through all the audios and I see which one do I like best, which one does it need a little tweaking, I don't know, I made a, I have a, a bad note or particularly I have something like a squeeze or a noise or something that I want to get rid of. So I choose the, the audio and then I've, I go to, to the videos and I say, so for that audio there's this video. And then I choose, I define w which one is the video that goes with that audio. And then when I put both of them together, I start working on the, so I have four cameras and I start working on the, um, on the video. So I choose this camera, then that camera. So I choose the, the, the follow-up of the plans. And then I go back, when I have all the video set up, I go to the audio again and I see, so what can I improve in the audio between uh, moving for, for, from camera A to camera B? Like for example, there's a note that where I press too hard and it's, you know, it has intonation issues. I want to correct this note. So I want to, I go there and I correct the note, but I already know that I can change it. So it won't look like it's a playback or something. I, I do it in one of the, the, the camera changes angles, you know, so I choose change from camera one to camera two while I'm doing that note because I've re-recorded that note, but I don't know if it will fit the exact movement in the, or our natural movement in the, um, in the video. So that's kind of the whole thing. I go back and forth between both of them until eventually I find, I think, okay, this is good enough. I like how it sounds. It will have, the video will have to do it. And so on for the next one, this will take me like the whole process of, you know, you know one day for rehearsing the song, one day for recording, another day for choosing all of this. So like three days for one song. And then I move on to the others. So it's like a couple of songs a week. So it's uh, 15 songs in the album. So you can take, see how long it took to, to do the whole thing. Wow. Uh, it was slow, a slow, That's painful That's an incredible <laughs> amount of focused time. Yeah. It's just maintaining that. That's got to be mentally exhausting. I wouldn't say that, although when it was finished and I released it, well, I, I, I didn't play, I haven't played the stick for like two months that I didn't pick it up after I recorded. I just started last week again. So uh, it, I was not tired, but I didn't felt like it. So it, it was like, you know when a, an athlete goes for a whole season of very high competition levels and then he reaches a, a point, it's summertime or whatever, I'm not going to do anything for two to it's, three weeks. And they just, you know, go on a boat to an island somewhere and they don't do anything. So that's the same thing. It's rest because there's a new process that will come and you will need focus and energy. So it was not something that I decided. It just ended up being like that. So I haven't played for for like two months. I started replaying the songs now. Half of them are not in my fingers anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to relearn some of the pieces, which is cool because you... You, you have the scores, right? Yeah, good thing. I, actually, that, that's, that's what I made them for, you know? That's exactly why I made the scores, because if you want to start at, at bar 13, usually if you just memorize it, you have to go from the beginning until you get to that point. Yeah. If you want to start at bar 13, you better have the right fingerings. And that, okay, so this is where I start this bar, and then you can work on a little piece. So that's why I write the scores. And then giving them away, it's just, 
that's that, that's kind of inspired by people like like Greg and Bob and the, the, they just give information to people. It's like amazing. They just give it. You know, it's like sure they they, they charge for lessons, but most of what we learn from them, it's not from lessons. It's just we go online and they make a video doing this thing. It's free, you know. So it's like a little contribution. It says, "Well, I've done this. I found this way of doing it." So it doesn't it doesn't cost me anything to give it away. I don't get any richer if I sell scores, you know. For I don't know for whatever amount of money. There's not enough people buying scores to to, to make it profitable. So it's not even a point. Yeah. Well, you know, there's. I mean, you've basically just dumped a significant number of scores into the Chapman Stick music, um, um, I guess, repertoire, yeah, library, you know, but what's available. Yeah, because there's not a lot out there. And But have you seen how much how much I get from all the people? I mean, I've I, I just, there was this thing, going on a tangent, but I just read something recently, because uh, I've been hearing this from singers all of my life, mostly singers, which is, I don't listen to somebody else because I don't want to get influenced by what they do and blah, 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 blah. Well, I take stuff from everybody. I don't know if they, I don't want to know if they play well or not. I, I, I steal from everybody. It's the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, it is. And, and I, honestly, to, to God, most of the stuff I do, I learn in somewhere else. I didn't invent anything. So, it's me just, if I have a, a chance to give something back, it's a, a, a little piece of what I gain on the other hand. So for me, it's just like, it's, it's natural. It, it's, it's not even an, a, an issue. Yeah, no, that's, that's an important thing in such a, when the community is so small, you know, making exactly. a living on this particular instrument, you know, unless you live in Woodland Hills, that's probably not a practical <laughs> thing to be able to expect to do. And so the community needs to have contributors that's really the only way it advances. And you've basically just dumped something significant, um, not only with the music and with the high quality videos, but with the scores, you know, that's, that's a lot that's of a big thing. And, and, you know, I don't know, I don't even know if it was stated up front, but the 15 track offering, the, the album itself has a PDF that has been created for each tune. In addition to that, each recording has been made. Uh, it has a very high quality video with four different camera angles that are available for the viewer to view Rodrigo while he's playing this music, and then a very high quality that accompanies it. And so um, I do recall an opportunity that I had once upon a time to actually perform at JPL. And um, I reached out to you and you know, you made something very clear to me at that time, and that is is that in the world we live in now, it's not enough just to have something to listen to. And I was like, can you help me? You know, and you helped me put together this wonderful video, and we had the text that was put together. And for me, it was so meaningful um, because actually Emmett and Yuda and a few others, I know Grace was there, I think Gary was there, um, came out to the JPL, to, to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and actually got to see me perform. And so the having the visual element, though, a lot of people that I spoke with at work, that is what they remembered. They remembered the, the, the backdrop and the Stephen Hawking quotes and things like that. And so um, you, you can't, it, I don't know how to explain, people learn different ways. And so being able to watch people play is, um, it's just like, 
tangent, when you're talking to somebody at, and you're ordering food and you have a mask on. It's like you're talking to them and you're saying the things that you... you. And, and I remember it like, it's so frustrating because people will say something and they'll, when I tell them my name, they're like, Jim? And I'm like, no, Gene. And they're like, Dean? And I'm like, yeah, sure, Dean. Just like, <laughs> Whatever. Dean, <laughs> it's Dean. And you know, and like, they'll call my name. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, I'm Dean. You know, like, I forget, like, so, so I never that, have that problem with Claire. I don't Claire. know. <laughs> so, so that's, so, so it, it's not lost on me is what I'm saying is, is that video component, that visual component, because it's not enough just to hear it. And that's why, you know, like song for Emmett in particular, I hear that composition. I hear that harmony. And I know that there was like a good deal of work that went into, you know, just writing it, but also arranging for it, trying the harmony this way, trying the harmony that way. Oh, I'm going to descend on that part. So I can't, I, I can't wait to explore more of the videos too, because I, I've listened to a couple of the songs, but I'm just like, I'm only getting half the experience. I'm only getting half the experience. And until I watch every single track, then I will have been able to experience this album in all its glory. And you know, those videos, it makes for a really good thing to be able to point someone at because the playing is high quality. The video is high quality. You can see the playing on the video. I mean, you know, <laughs> five years ago, a lot of videos that were made, you know, you can see someone's playing, but you really can't see what they're doing. These videos are just so clear with modern video technology and the way that you've produced them that uh, if someone point. wants to be able to point someone, yeah, at a reference point nice for it, well what is a Chapman stick? And you describe it and you don't have the instrument because we don't carry our instruments to us when we're going to the restaurant, right? When we're being named Dean. Uh, and <laughs> You know, I, car I carry a picture of my sticks in, uh, I carry a picture of me playing the stick and I carry a picture of my family of sticks. And when somebody, and when it comes up, I go, here you go. I really, yeah. I'm, I'm that dork. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that way I can show them this is what it is. Sorry, I interrupted you. You know, I wanted to, so let's ask some tactical questions. So we've been talking about the motivation. We've been talking about kind of the trials and tribulations. Uh, I know for a fact that you'll never do this again. You've mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> and who can blame well, you with all that work? To be welcome, honest, all right. to be honest, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll okay. do so something. So when politicians are asked, are you running for president? They're like, I, I'm not, no, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. When I, once I forget the experience, then probably I'll just <laughs> jump in again. <laughs> well, now you're all set up for it, right? So, yeah. so one of the things I wanted to ask about is, is I do know, so these are very technical questions now. And like Vic, like this is our moment to like nerd out. And I know that Claire's got a whole laundry list of things she wants to ask. Perhaps, maybe not. But I'm so curious about the video. So what type of cameras do you use? And so, so let's talk about like input. So I want to talk about like the software that you're using, microphones, if you're reamping, um, like DAWs, things like that. I don't want you to give away any like secrets if you want to keep them, but let's start with the video. What types of cameras are you using and what type of software are you using to process it and put, bring it together? Okay, so uh, it's very simple. I should have four exactly the same kind of cameras. I do not. So I have like, I use my uh, digital SLR, my uh, Nikon camera, which can, can, that can record video. I use two Sony uh, DV cameras, the, the little small ones. These are the ones you see parents recording their kids' soccer games and stuff like that, you know, so I have a couple of those too. And I use my iPhone. So th those are the four cameras I, I have. Problem is, 
I, I record them all. And then when I bring them, at, the software I use is Adobe Premiere Pro. So I put all of the videos into Adobe Premiere Pro. And then the first thing I have to do is correct the, the colors and the lights and the lighting because it's completely all over the place. They are all completely different. And you can see when you know this, you look at the videos and you see, okay, this is a different camera because the white is not as white as that one or the blue is not. You see differences in the colors. So the, it would be ideal to have four exactly equal cameras. I do not. I, I can't afford that. So I do with what I have. So the, those are the cameras. Uh, they will record into little SD cards. Then I put them all in the computer into the um, Adobe Premiere Pro, which I could do in, I think, uh, the, the the same thing for Macintosh would be... Uh, you could there's Premiere for Mac. Premier. Yeah, there is, but there's a, a video program most Mac users use. There's iMovie. But there's also um f I want to say FileMaker Pro, but like it's yeah, is it Final that's Cut? Is Final Cut? Final, Final, Final Cut. Final yeah, Cut. exactly. So that's the same thing. So you would use one of those to put the videos together. That's the the, the visual part. The audio part, I just I split the signal right out of, coming out of the stick. I split the signal into the computer. Bass and melody go to the computer. Another bass and melody go to my usual rig. So I'm recording the dry signal into uh, just a very simple DAW, which is uh, Steinberg's, um, I use Nuendo, but it's the same thing as the other one, Cubase, or I could use Pro Tools or whatever, Reaper, whatever, they all do the same thing. So just record the dry signal into that, and the other split signal goes into my usual rig. So I'm playing and I'm listening. Uh, my reference is always the same sound. It's always my rig going through my usual effects chain going into my usual speaker so that's what i hear while i'm recording a very dry signal in the end once all of this is together i re-record the audio so I, I have the computer play back the audio into my effects chain going into back into the computer so this is just because i want to Sometimes when I'm playing, I need too much reverb or I need too much bass or whatever that it, it's not suitable for an audio, a final album. So I would want to control the amount of effects after I'm playing, just, you know, listening to it. Particularly the most important of them all, it's reverb, because the, the reverbs we have in terms of, of pedal boards, I mean, it's the, what you can have on a, on a DAW. It's way, way much better. So mm. reverbs is something you would want to use from the computer, not the ones you use usually with your instrument, in my opinion. That and compression. I use a lot of compression in final audio, but just after I played it. So that's the mixing part, which is uh, reverb, a little EQing and compression. And then it's, it's done. It's very simple. It's just a very clean sound. I'm going to quote you when it's time for album number five. Hey, it's very simple. Just <laughs> throw that together. Right? Just yeah, just put it in there. Spin that up another 15 tracks, right? Yeah, the hard part is putting them together. Yeah, exactly. And that is the real kind of like that's like we've got this clay and you've molded it into something. But then how do you make it into something beautiful? And I suppose that is... Capturing the performance, you know, doing a day of takes, you know, like when I did Song of the Week, you know, it was just kind of like, I was just like rushing, you know, it was like, you're also being a dad, right? And you're probably also like, you know, managing this property. Uh, and I'm sure there's other kind of musical endeavors that you've got going on. And so it is so impressive and it has set a very high bar for kind of what comes next. I was, I was laughing a little earlier because I was thinking as, 
you know, like if you look at this from like as a statistician, as the number of Rodrigo Sorrell videos goes up, the videos that other stickists are posting goes down because everyone's <laughs> watching Rodrigo's fantastic videos and thinking like, I think I need to redo this, you know, like, and, and, and so this is good. I do think that it, it is so good because, and like not to beat down on the Chapman community, but there's a lot of people that just like put stuff out there and I'm one of them, you know, or I just was like, I, I, just, yeah. I just have to get it recorded and I have to put it out there. But like, this is, there's so much. No, Gene, you're actually, I'm going to interrupt you because I've got a question I've been dying to ask. And that is, you know, right in with what you're saying, you know, every, every so often I'll put up a video and uh, of myself playing something, but you know, I'm not very good at this. I don't have any experience really to fall back on. Good at it, my so, friend. Like I'd <laughs> say otherwise. I would disagree with that also. Yeah, exactly. Let him finish. Stop it. <laughs> In terms of the audio quality, what one or two things would you recommend to someone that maybe doesn't know what they're doing, whether it's something to make sure that you do, or maybe it's something to make sure that you do not do? I don't know. Would you have any advice that would maybe be kind of simple that you would give to someone to Take it up one notch. Well, I'm not going to answer to that question directly. I would say something that it's an advice that I, because one of the things I've always loved doing with music is producing, you know, producing records, because the producer will have this job, which is mainly get everyone's ideas and feedback, you know, and make all of this into something that's, that makes any sense, some sort of sense. So, the first advice for anyone that's going to put something out there is listen to it as you would if it were done by somebody else. If you like it, you post it. If you don't like it, don't post it. So you have to distance yourself from whatever it is. For example, you, Victor, made a recording. Imagine it was Jeans or Claire's or me or whatever, and you're being exposed to it for the first time, listen to it without any sort of uh, connection, you know, detached from it. If you like it, then it's good enough. If you don't like it, it's not good enough. So that's, that's the, the, the decision maker. It's if you're honest about liking, even if it's not perfect, because even if it's not perfect and it's beautiful, I just told you, I will, I will listen to it and I will steal ideas from you. I will steal from anyone. So <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will take advantage of it. No anyone so will. Can I have credit on your album? <laughs> <laughs> well, you should. <laughs> but the thing is, it's exactly this. There are common mistakes that you, you would want to avoid, which is you don't want something that, it's, uh, uh, that has an intonation problem. You know, that's not something that, tuning. Yeah. yeah, tuning, that's right. one of the first things, but that, that you can hear for yourself. I mean, even without paying too much attention, you know, when it's off key, you know, or whatever. So that you don't want to do. Uh, another thing you don't want to have is flies <laughs> around. <laughs> 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 but other than that, it's just go with what your heart tells you. If you like it, if you like to listen to it, or then again, it's something that it's a, a documentary, you know, you want to document uh, what you were doing on, on the 10th of April of uh, 2019. So you have that, but you specify it. It's This is what I was doing at that date. So that's a different thing. If you just want to give something to people, I would say, if you would like it, if it's for somebody else playing it, do it. If you don't, 
don't 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 put it because you will end up being ashamed of it that has happened to me i've put it videos that i've deleted because i, I thought this is this is not doing any good and i'm not proud of this so i'm going to take this one out and that's what happened with song 16 on on the album actually uh, so this is an instant i wasn't going to bring it up i wasn't <laughs> going to bring it up rodrigo was uh, it was just and... it was just redundant you know when you listen to the whole thing and you th and you fear well what is this song doing here because what's saying what it's saying it has already been said it's not adding anything so why just to have 16 well sure take it out that's part of the creative process is figuring out um God, i have so many questions for you rod I just have so many questions, um, but starting with the creative process and finding out what does and doesn't work is an ongoing process. And a lot of times with Chapman Stick music, I have to ask myself, is this something that I'd put on? I have very few albums that I would just put on. You know, one of the albums that I really like was Bob's uh, acoustic album. And it was like, cover to cover songs that I would listen to. And so it was like, is it music that I'd put mm. on when I'm at work? Is it music that I'd put on when I'm in the car? Is it music like when friends come over, I'm like, hey, we're sitting down and we're, you know, maybe we're playing some telephone care or whatever it is. And, and we, we put that on. And so that is, that's a great kind of common denominator is that like, would I listen to it? You know, is it just something that I think is cool and it's, and, and, I mean, I, I'm agreeing with you. And I've seen a lot of things that are just kind of, you know, somebody gets to do pedal and they put something up. You know, somebody gets like something new and they put it up. And, you know, I'm as guilty of that as anyone. So um, I want to kind of shift gears here. And I, I do want to get this question in. Um, no person is an island, right? I, I know that while you do a lot of these things on your own, and while you have achieved and you know, strive to be this kind of one man show. Uh, I know that you had a little help along the way from other stick players in the community. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and how, how that is unique to the Chapman stick community, like how you couldn't have got that from like the base community or like, you know, your friends, like your drummer friends, like maybe can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So first person that when I said, Publicly, I'm gonna turn this into a couple of uh, this couple of videos into into an album, or I'm going to record them. I got a message from Greg, and he said, "Listen, if you need any help, uh, I'm I'm available." So, and I, I just wrote him back and said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna charge you on that," and that's what I did. So halfway through, I started sending sending him the tracks. First of all, because well, other than being a the Chapman stick player we all know. Greg is a producer, so I, I figured I can talk some stuff with him, and he will know what I mean. And oh, yeah, and I can that we can you know go back and forth and exchange ideas, even if we don't agree with each other. That's not the point. The point is exchange ideas. So with somebody that has enough experience with the instrument and the recording process, so Greg was my first go-to guy, and um, we exchanged a, bu a bunch of ideas. He had some specific uh, things he liked uh, and some specific comments and some, I don't know, he had his personal view and that was very, very important for me because I was so deep into it, so focused in, in one direction that to have somebody on your side saying, wait, listen to this 
for, or from look at this from a different angle, uh, from a different perspective. That was invaluable. So Greg was my first go-to guy, and eventually he was the last one. So meaning from the beginning to the end of the of the recording process, he was with me and he was uh, being a part of it to the point of the 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 final setup of the of the songs. I did it, and I, he just sent me uh, an email saying, "Try this, correct this. Don't don't leave that song in that place. Change this for that." And so it's a part of of him is in the album too, uh, doing this because it's a very specific thing with the Chapman Stick community. We're all very we're all, we're not that much. We all know most of us, most of each other, and most of us are really you know sharing people. So. Uh, And since I steal from everybody, <laughs> again, <laughs> at some point, I came up with this idea, which is I want to have some of the people that have influenced me uh, in terms of music or particularly in terms of the stick and that eventually got me here. I want to have, have them look at, listen to it first and giving me their opinion. And then I will write one, of, one opinion for, for each of the videos. So the first one, I approach was, I, I told you guys, was Andy Salvanos. So, because Andy has the most beautiful stick tone I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And I sent him the, the, the recordings and I said, listen, Andy, because he's a very, very easygoing guy also and a very, uh, it's kind of a very sweet man. So I just asked him, could you do this? And he said, sure. And he listened and he, he said whatever he had to say. And he wrote me down the, the comments and it was uh, uh, in, the, um, in the video, in the Cavatina video. So this was you know, growing and then I ended up asking for 15 people's opinions, one for each of the songs. Um, eventually I got Jeans and you can read his opinion on the song for Emmett. That's his text at the end. It's online. You can, you can look at it and listen. Yeah, but I, I, I already, I already made some, some changes to it. Oh, you did? Well, it's published. <laughs> I sent you a second version. I was like, oh, just like, you know. Uh, I, I can change where it. Where is this English. from? Is this part of the band camp? Is this? Yeah, in the band camp. Okay. If you go to the video at the end, I just. The video, okay. Yeah, it's in the, in the end of the video. I sent it to you last night at like three in the morning, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, I woke up this morning. It was like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is going now. <laughs> anyway, because again, you, you inspired me. You, you don't know this, but. Uh, oh, you don't remember, but when we were playing, when, when I was in, in Los Angeles and we were playing at the Guitar Merchant and you opened up with this uh, song that I don't have any idea what it was. Again, it was a, a cover you were doing for one of those very known bands. You remember what it was, the, the song you played? It might have been Clocks. It might have been Mercy Street. Mercy, no, it was not Mercy Street. It's another one. It might have been Clocks. Probably, um, yeah. <sighs> Jeez, sir, are you killing me now? Anyway, the song, like yeah, anyway, but the way you played it and the way you treated the sound, the way it was sounding in the room, that made an impression on me, you know. So that's kind of like what I was going after in terms of of reverb, because the way you use that reverb on that day, that apart from all the things that connect us, but that was inspiring for me. So I, and that ended up on a little bit of this album too. So the the people that. That wrote like Steve Aylson is there, uh, like some other people that don't have anything to do with the Chapman stick, but the people that were with me along the way of discovering the instrument, people that I was playing, have been playing for over 10 years. And then one day I told them, I'm going to stop playing with you because I want to stop playing the bass and I want to start just focus on this instrument. So I have all these people that were important are a part of the, of the, of the, of the, of the, the album as well. 
even if it's just because they, they were there and they gave me ideas and they inspired me to do something. So, um, well, what about Rob Gellner? First of all, R Rob is a friend. So it's, he's like, well, he's in Canada. I'm, I'm in Portugal. So it's not, it doesn't come over that often. <laughs> <laughs> but Rob is a friend, you know? You know, when you have a friend that you might want to talk stick with or you might want to talk about something else. So Rob is that kind of friend. And then he's an amazing musician and he has something that I have a, a connection with on various levels. Uh, and I sent him the, the, the CD. It was the first CD or the first recording of the album I sent to somebody that was unrelated professionally. So this is, this is something for, for your Christmas. That's what I told him. This is my gift for you for Christmas. It's what I've been doing for this past year. So it, uh, it, it's a different kind of relationship, although I am a big fan of his, both as a stick player and as a... I have his album. He gave it, gave so it to me. so good. Yeah, so... I love him. I love his wife. They're all amazing people, you know. So it's like they're very close to my heart. So uh, as I told you, he was the, fir the first recording I gave uh, was to Rob Gellner. So sure. it's meaningful. Great guy. Moving on. <laughs> well, I did want to capture... Oh, sorry. I, I forgot something. I wanted to say, like for most of people, I know half of the, the stick players got to the stick through Tony Levin. I got to the stick as the other half did through, through Bob Culbertson. So whatever I do in the whole of my life with the, the Chapman stick, it will always have something to do with Bob Culbertson. So uh, it, he was the first people that stopped me on my tracks and say, look at this instrument. And I was mesmerized by it to the point of deciding to change everything in my life. So It's a, he's a part of this album too. He's there because I wouldn't be here without Bob Culbertson. So he's a part of the album because he was the first and probably the la most lasting impression I have of somebody playing the stick is him. So you were talking about the acoustic, it's Acoustic Dawn, right? The name, the name of the album. He has this yeah, album, uh, it's something San Francisco, Friday night in San Francisco, no. Something, I don't know, night in San Francisco. I'm seeing the cover, but I don't remember the name now. I've listened to that album so many times. I know really? every solo. I know every nuance he does on that. So it's my reference in terms of stick playing is Bob Culbertson. So, so that's it's that. Very he's, high bar. It, 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 it's a very high bar. Now he, he's amazing. I mean, he's much like most of, uh, of of the others. But first of all, he's an amazing musician, and then he just happens to play the stick. So. Mm. Rodrigo, you've got these wonderful scores that you've put together for the songs on your album. Of those scores, is there a particular one that you would recommend to someone that might be the easiest to be able to pick up and learn to play? I would say the, the most organic one to, for a, a stick player to play because it has all the natural positions and it's It's fairly easy, 
and you don't have too many wild stretches or jumps to do would be the song number 14 which is a traditional Portuguese song I rearranged and although the score might be a bit scary because it's written it has fives and six and sevens and nines you know the, the bar is always changing but it's because it was a very organic traditional song if you listen to it you'll understand it's very very simple it's in G major but it the hands will go with the, the traditional stick way so it's very organic to play I would say that's the the, the easiest one to, to start with although don't let yourself be scared by the, the how you call it the, the, the bar the, the tablature or the, or the score the score yeah so it's like starts in 5-8 and then it goes into 7-8 and then 4-4 four, four, and then 9-8 goes back and forth between all of this but you just memorize the melody and you you understand how easy it is to, to play it so that's the one I would say it's easier most of the others are of different levels of difficulty although that was never the point the point was all going back to the first question and I think it's a, a cool last thing to answer which the, the point was always to prove to myself that whatever it was written for whatever instrument can be played on the sticks without having to rearrange it without having to change one single sometimes I do like I change one note I put it on a different octave you know for a whole piece but that's just because it sounds better and the original instrument doesn't have that note or whatever uh, but the point was I can play this song without changing it on this instrument it, it is that versatile it is that good it is that rich that I can play a piano piece or a guitar piece or whatever piece in it and I don't have to change anything. So that's why sometimes it might be a little harder because I was going for the original arrangement. Thank you so much, Rodrigo. Well, thank you guys for, for listening to me playing, babbling about this for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's th thank you so much for, for the insight. It's been, it's been just a treat to find out more about Goodness, what what a labor of love this this thing has been. It is. Um, yeah. Congratulations on on getting it out there. Thank you. Um, it, you. You've given so many resources. You know, we can watch you play it. We can see what you. You know, I have like three things to. I have to listen to it. I gotta watch it. I gotta. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but it's 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 a it's really a great resource actually for learning what you're doing. So we can steal from you too. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeez. what goes around comes around. <laughs> so, um, can you just remind us where we can find this? You can find it almost anywhere traditional, like um, on my Facebook page, or on the, the album is on Bandcamp. So if you just Bandcamp and write Rodrigo Sarau, or actually if you just write Chapman's Stick, it'll probably show you half a dozen Stick albums. This will be one of them. And uh, and then Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. It's it's not there, but it'll be before the end of the year uh, because I wanted to share it with the stick community first so it's exclusive on Bandcamp to the end of the month. Then it will go, you know, for everyone else to, to look at it and listen. Are the scores on Bandcamp? The scores are, if you, if you for any chance, decide to, to buy the album, Bandcamp will offer you the scores automatically. At least that's what I think. If you don't want to buy it, you just want the scores wherever, just drop me a, an email, a message on Stickist or whatever on Facebook, and I'll just send you the, the scores. It's not the full set of scores. It's not available because some of them, uh, they have publishing rights that I don't own, so I cannot give them away. 
But anyway, the ones that are free, uh, you know, like the Bach pieces and uh, uh, some of the, the old composers, uh, the older ones, it's on Bandcamp. And whatever you don't get, just ask me and I'll give it to you. Great. You know, this provides a great segue for what the Tap and Time crew will have on tap in the new year. Uh. So. Uh, a hot topic that always comes up right around this year is New Year's resolutions. And so inevitably, there is a post out there that says, hey, guys, what are we doing in the new year? What's going to be your resolution? Right. Like, I'm going to not wait tables anymore. Or I'm going to, you know, get that surgery done or whatever it is. Uh, more often than not, it's like, I'm going to try to learn this song. I'm going to try to learn that song, you know. So to kind of celebrate that, we have called in an expert and that expert would be Bob Culbertson. So yesterday in a conversation that I had with him, and mind you, Rodrigo, your name came up. <laughs> Bob has agreed, Bob has agreed to uh, allow us to crash his Zoom call on January 2nd at 9 a.m. So for those of you listening who are still on this call, who love and adore Rodrigo Sorrell the way we do. Thank you, mom. This. You, you, will, you will be able to join the Zoom call with all of us, as well as Bob, and talk through what you have planned for the new year. So the intent is to use and leverage the existing platform that Bob uses. So if you go out to Bob's page, which can be conveniently found at stickmusic.com, you'll see the Zoom link right there on his homepage. At about 8.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, log in there and you can have your instrument with you and just be prepared to give us like a two or three minute kind of summary of what you've got planned. And then as a community, we'll talk it through, we'll figure out what you're up against and maybe, you know, steal some ideas. Think, yeah, try, yeah. try to basically ensure that we are all successful with our resolutions, right? I'm going to be trying to try to be less of a jerk. I'm going to try to work on my Spanish a little bit more. You know, I've got a couple things that don't necessarily involve playing the Chapman stick, but one of them will be to, you know, ultimately record these eight Bach pieces that I have because I've been sitting on them for a long time. So to summarize, <laughs> join Bob Culbertson and the Tap and Time crew on January 2nd at 8.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for a New Year's resolution Zoom call. Claire, you have to say it. We're going to? We're going to Zoom bomb Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, show up. Even if you don't want to share your New Year's resolutions, just show up and listen to people talk stick. Talk stick yourself, you know, and, uh, you know, just kind of make it a party. Kind of like sitting in the common room at a stick seminar, just shooting the breeze. That's right. It'll be a virtual seminar. Yeah. Let's bill it as that. Let's bill it as a New Year's resolution virtual seminar. It's done. It's done. <laughs> it's done. Rodrigo has deemed it appropriate. <laughs> and we'll probably be putting out that link. Uh, also, uh, you know, we'll probably put a reminder link out on Facebook in the days leading up to it just to, to kind of help push it a little bit uh, as well. So I think that's going to do it for this episode. Rodrigo, again, thank you so much for sharing with us uh, and providing 
the background into your insights and sets. We really appreciate it and we really love what you do and we love you. Thank you for letting me talk about trees. <laughs> that was, a, that was a, the best part of this podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, for all of you out there that are still with us, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Tap in Time podcast. And we hope that sometime in the next day or so, you have the chance to pick up your instrument and play for a while. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. We welcome your comments. You can contact us by email at tapintimepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.